Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20 about commandment number three of the Ten Commandments. Every day, so many times a day, the name of Jesus, the name of God is used as an exclamation point or his name is brought down to the level of a four-letter curse word to express disgust. That's what happens every day in a culture where the God who made everybody says, don't you take my name in vain. Imagine, just, just pause and think of the heaviness of that and think about how the Lord says people are going to give an account for this. Now, if they come to Jesus Christ, of course, that is dealt with in full, praise God. But it is a heavy matter. It's not something to be taken In a trivial way, God's name is holy. A pastor said he was flying on a plane and he was coming back from a conference and there were two businessmen behind him and they were cursing up a storm and going back and forth and they were using hell and God's name in vain and everything you can imagine. And finally he said he got sick of it and he peeked over the seat and he said, hey, are you two guys in the ministry? And they said, what are you talking about in the ministry? He said, well, I'm in the ministry and I heard you guys use God, Jesus, damn, and hell uh, all in the last couple of minutes. I can barely get that in in one message from the Bible. So I I figured maybe you guys are in the ministry. (laughs) He said, after that, it was quiet for the rest of the flight. (laughs) Because even grown men and women, when confronted have a sense of the law of God because Romans 2 says the law of God is written on every heart and our conscience bears witness. And so we know, even if we're an unbeliever, we know that there's something wrong with taking the holy name of God down to that level. But we can get so callous to it, we can be around it so much that all of a sudden it just flows from our lips. And more, you know, we might think that this is less Weighty, but even the idea of, oh my God, or sometimes we, we try to switch that to, oh my gosh. And I know what we're trying to do, but still we're using God's name without much of a thought. It's almost like, you know, it's a response to a situation or a moment, but it's not invoking the name of God for the right reasons. And so in Psalm 8, verse 1, David said, O Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've displayed your splendor above the heavens. In Psalm 29, verse 2, David said, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. If you were to break down these first three commandments, they're about having the right God, worshiping him in the right way, and honoring his name. Jesus put it this way, The Father is seeking worshipers to worship him, the verse is right up there on the wall, in spirit and in truth. Now, some versions capitalize the S and they might say that that's the Holy Spirit. But a bulk of the scholars say spirit there, lowercase s, is your spirit. And what God wants is he, uh, back to your heart now. He wants you to worship him from the innermost part of your being. And he wants to be worshiped in truth. No idols, no falseness about it. He wants it to be pure worship. 
So the last book of the Old Testament we're studying on Wednesday night, God says, unless Israel repents, I'm going to smite the land with a curse. And he's going to send John the Baptist and then eventually Elijah in the last days. And there were people who were still feared God's name despite the culture. And God said these words, Malachi 4.2, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, Malachi 4.4, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I command, commanded him in Horeb or on Sinai for all Israel. In other words, God's saying, all you got to do is go back to the law and you'll know what my values are. You'll know what's really important. When Ezekiel got a, uh, he got to cut the hole in the wall and got to see all the abominations Israel was doing in the temple. God said, I'm going to judge the people. And the Lord said to these avengers or these potentially angels, go through the midst of the city, Ezekiel 9, 4, even through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over the abominations which are being committed in its midst. Before judgment comes, God marks people who sigh and groan over their own culture. And that's what I find myself doing today, is I find myself doing a lot of sighing and a lot of groaning. Because I look at what's happening today and how the culture has so shifted away from biblical values, uh, away from the king and his kingdom. And even within the church culture, And I find myself doing a lot of sighing and groaning. And there's a lot of vanity and a lot of the Lord's name taken in vain. Now, away from the negative to the positive. So what does this name mean and how does it reveal God's identity? I want to show you just a couple of snapshots. First of all, in Exodus 33, you know, Moses' deep desire, Exodus 33, a few pages to your right, was to know God. And he wanted to see God's glory and he prayed Lord, show me your glory, Exodus 33, 19. We're going to get a little bit more revelation about God's name, God's person. And God said, I myself, 33, 19, will make all my goodness, God is good, pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord. There's both Hashem and Yahweh right there. Whenever you see Lord in that capital L and then the small caps there, that's always Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Now, what God promised actually occurred in Exodus 34. So just down the page a little bit. Verse five, the Lord descended in the cloud. He stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. So just what he said he would do. The Lord, the Lord God, what is he? He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And so this is what the command says. Anyone who takes the name of the Lord in vain They're going to get punished, and the punishment is not laid out here, but in the book of Leviticus, someone actually does this, and they get killed for it. 
And Ananias and Sapphira might be a New Testament picture of a group of people who take the name of the Lord in vain. It's not all laid out there, but they lie about what they give. They essentially lie to God or about God, and they're taken out on the spot. So obviously God is not playing games with the honor of his name. Yet within his name, we see how gracious and compassionate he is. Turn over to the book of Numbers, just a little bit to your right. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 6. What is the way that we should call upon the name and should we name his name given what we've just learned? Well, notice in the Aaronic blessing, uh, Numbers 6.22, the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, speak to Aaron. Aaron's going to be or is the high priest. And to his sons, they'll, they'll have that priestly ministry and say, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel and you shall say to them, this is what you speak. Notice, the Lord... Yahweh bless you and keep you. The Lord, Yahweh, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, Yahweh, the third time, lift up his countenance on you and give you shalom, give you peace. And then, so they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. And then what will I do? I will bless them. There is a way to invoke this name and Even though there was a fear about breaking the the third commandment, you can see right here, God said, I want you to call upon my name. I just want you to call upon my name in the right way. So let's take it to to us. So you, you all that are Christians in this room, you called upon the name of the Lord and the Lord graciously saved you. You called upon the name of Jesus. I've been hearing stories about Muslims in the Middle East who didn't know anything about God or the Bible. And all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus reveals himself to them or they have a dream about him. And they might call upon God and say, please show me who you are. And Jesus responds in dreams and visions. This is actually firsthand testimony coming from the Muslim world right now. It's quite amazing. God is gracious. He wants to be known. He wants you to know him and he wants you to call upon his name. So in the book of Acts, you know, Peter and John are going to the place of prayer and there's a lame man sitting at the beautiful gate and he's asking for alms as he would normally do. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man got up and he began walking around. Can you imagine? He was over 40 years old. It was a radical miracle. I'm sure he was just dancing in front of him. No denying a miracle happened. But the religious leadership was very unhappy. By what authority do you do these things? And so they brought him into the hall of the hewn stone. This is the ancient Supreme Court building in Israel. The 70 Sanhedrin gather plus the high priest. And they say, by what name, by what authority have you done these things? Peter says, you want to know? It is by the name of Jesus whom you crucified. Now he's in the Supreme Court of his day. These guys could kill him. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. It's by that name that this man stands before you whole. And he's inside the courtroom too. Go, oh, yeah. Can't deny the miracle. There he is. And it is by this name that he, is, he stands before you whole. This is the stone which you builders rejected, but has become the chief cornerstone. And listen, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, they weren't happy about it. And they threatened them, don't speak anymore in this name. 
And they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, we'll let you judge that one. But we will not stop speaking the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael and some of today's top apologists for the Dare to Defend conference. On March 10th and 11th, these speakers will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's postmodern culture. This year's theme is Keeping the Faith in a Culture of Chaos. Come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California on March 10th and 11th to hear speakers Detective J. Warner Wallace. The idea that all we have in the universe is random accidents and the laws of physics or chemistry, then we're not going to get to it. We're going to see the evidence differently because our presupposition really colors the way we see every piece of evidence in the room. Dr. Hugh Ross. When God created time, he was a causal agent that brought into effect time, which means at a minimum, he's got the equivalent to move and operate in two independent dimensions of time. Back at Cook. And they would say, are you moving? Did you did you meet someone? And, do you have, and I'm like, well, actually, I did meet someone named Jesus. I mean, they were really stunned. And especially when I got to the part about you know, the homosexuality being a sin, some of my friends really got hostile. Dr. Craig Hasten. Sure, this Jesus thing sounds good, but you know, I know nothing about Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism or Mormonism. And how do I know for sure that I've really got the goods? Lenny Esposito. This one conversation shows how much we've confused the motivations for why we believe something with good reasons for believing it. There's only one good reason to believe anything, and that is if it's true. Monique Dusan. I think the idea that that's funny racism, like they let you into their home, and like I was, I came home with PTSD from South Africa and all that. And I think I, I started to really think about like, well, what if it wasn't racist? And Joe Dallas. If you want to punch somebody out and you punch somebody out, you're not struggling with punching somebody out. You are, in fact, punching somebody out. Register for the Dare to Defend conference on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. The 70 Sanhedrin gather, plus the high priest, and they say, by what name, by what authority have you done these things? Peter says, you want to know? It is by the name of Jesus whom you crucified. Now he's in the Supreme Court of his day. These guys could kill him. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. It's by that name that this man stands before you whole. And he's inside the courtroom too. Go, oh yeah. Can't deny the miracle. There he is. And it is by this name that he is, he stands before you whole. This is the stone which you builders rejected, but has become the chief cornerstone. And listen. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, they weren't happy about it. And they threatened them, don't speak anymore in this name. And they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, we'll let you judge that one. But we will not stop speaking the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. 
So the Apostle Paul, Saul, becomes converted and he's ministering in Ephesus and miracles are happening by Paul's hand. Uh, handkerchiefs connected to him and people who are demon-possessed are being delivered and I'm sure people were watching him and there were these seven sons of Sceva and they thought, we'll try this. We've got a deliverance ministry. We're, we're going to try it. So we're going to preach the name of Jesus. So they come across this demon-possessed guy and they say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, uh, come out. And the demon says, well, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And the Bible says that the demon-possessed man gave them such a beating, these seven sons of Sceva, that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. (laughs) What went wrong? They used the name of Jesus. Because here's the thing. When you use the name of Jesus, here's what's happening, brethren. Let's take it to our new covenant setting. Jesus wants us to use his name. We can give a cup of cold water in his name. We can welcome a child in his name. We can be benevolent in his name. We can pray in his name. But when we pray in Jesus' name, please listen to what I'm about to say. It's so important. We are saying that we are his ambassador. We are exercising his authority, if you will, on the earth. And we are representing the king and the kingdom and his values. Just because you tag the name of Jesus onto a prayer, if your prayer is about you and your kingdom, if your prayer is about spending it on your own lust, you ain't going to get nothing from the Lord. Nothing. You can tag the name of Jesus onto any selfish, self-centered, your kingdom prayer, and it's not going to work. And even if you say it with authority in the name, which seems to be popular in some circles, Greg Laurie was joking one time. He said, you know, these, these word faith teachers, faith healers, uh, they have a way of saying the name that, you know, it seems like they went to school to say it the right way. He goes, never do I think that they go into a restaurant and say, waitress, can I get a cheeseburger in the name of Jesus? Right? Here's my point. If you're going to use that name, and there seems like there's some verses that give you carte blanche, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified, that if you're going to be my ambassador and my representative, that it represents kingdom values. So let's take it on the positive end. You pray over somebody in Jesus' name. You know he's called you to pray over the sick. You know he's called you to preach the gospel. You know he's sent you to comfort the brokenhearted. And you use that name. And there's authority in that name. But don't misuse that name. Don't tag it onto something to build your kingdom and, you know, Uh, etc. But use that name, call upon that name as a believer. But then it comes down to kingdom priorities and values. Amen. And what's in that name? There's an incredible Christmas prophecy. You don't have to turn there, but we just sang about it. And here's what it says. It says, Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called. Do you remember, brethren? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. That's, his, that's who he is. He's, he's the God who abounds in loving kindness. He's the God that's good. He's the God that wants to grant life and peace, but he doesn't want to be misrepresented, and he doesn't want his name misused. So let me just fill in some blanks here. And let me just say that you know, using his name in a proper way is beautiful, wonderful, praying over people, etc., Mary put it this way, the mighty one in her Magnificat, her song, 
The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Isaiah 57, 15 says, Thus says the highly exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Look, if that's your prayer, if you want his name to be hallowed in your life and behavior, you're on the right track, man. You're not going to be perfect at it. But if you're desirous to honor the king and build his kingdom, the Lord's going to bless. The Lord's going to pour out blessings. But this is where we need to shift our thinking to kingdom priorities, to going around and sharing the good news of the gospel. How might we take the name of the Lord in vain? It means to attribute nothingness or even worthlessness to it, emptiness, uh, even the idea of uselessness. And there are several ways that this might occur. The first is by cussing. And one writer says, the commandment is general enough as to encompass making light or trivializing God's name, mocking it, using it disrespectfully, or even to express disgust. I'm not sure biblical Israel had a concept of cussing, he says, or using a collection of four-letter words. But it is not a misunderstanding of this commandment to bring to bear on the pervasive use of today of, oh my God, and even worse in every imaginable situation. Philip Reichen picks it up. He says, today many people call down divine damnation on whatever or whoever happens to be a source of frustration. Or they use the name of Jesus Christ as a kind of exclamation point. All of the bad language on television and in the movies shows how godless our culture has become, but also shows that we can never get away from God. People can't seem to swear without using God's name. Why is this? What does it tell us about the human condition? I think it proves, says Riken, the existence of God. Like everything people say, cursing comes from the heart. When non-Christians use God's name even in vain, it shows that deep down they know there really is a God. Their rage is a direct rebellion against God's honor. You know, I have never heard in my lifetime someone in disgust say, Oh, Buddha! Maybe you have. But just think about the number of times in a given hour or day in our country where the name of Jesus and the name of our God is blasphemed. And it is a sobering thought. And it is a reminder of how patient God is and how gracious he is. So one way is cussing. The, the, the other way would be to take an oath like, say, in a court of law. I swear on the Holy Bible that I will fulfill the uh, mandates of my office. How many people have done that on the Holy Bible? They don't know what's in here, but they've sworn on the Bible. Or I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then they lie on the stand about everything. It's very, you know, courts are complicated because we don't know who's telling the truth. But people make their declarations. They promise to tell the truth and then they lie from here to Sunday and back. Small boy was a witness in an important lawsuit. The prosecuting attorney cross-examined him and then delivered, he thought was a crushing blow to the boy's testimony. Your father's been telling you to testify, has he not? Yes. 
the lad replied. He didn't hesitate on the answer. Now, said the lawyer triumphantly, just tell us how your father told you to testify. Well, the boy said modestly, father told me that lawyers like you would try to tangle me in my testimony. But if I would just be careful to tell the truth, I could repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And the lawyer didn't have anything to say. You've been listening to The Third Commandment, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's Ten Commandment teaching series in Exodus 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. You can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Thanks for believing in this mission and partnering with us. If you're a long-time listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. That will really help us to meet our mark. Visit walkintruth.com today to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20 about the third commandment. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.